had one dollar, just one dollar for every person wearing red and green that had said that to me over the last, what is it now, five and a bit years, I'd be very, very wealthy. Hi everybody, this is Warren Smith and this is You You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all as the show apparently is going to be named. Um, Smith, Russell is the crew today. Matt Russell, g'day, how are you? G'day, Wars. Where's the rest of them? Um, Andrew Voss was supposed to be here. I believe he's on assignment for his new <laughs> show, The Fan. He's gone deep, deep, deep into a dive into some uh, bizarre little piece of trivia that only Vossy could come up with. Well, this podcast, proudly sponsored by Adam Reynolds. Take me now, I have seen it all. It's become your catch cry, was. It has. And speaking of Rabbitohs fans being over in Perth on the weekend... Uh, doing the dogs in the storm as far as the second game of the double header was concerned. The Rabbitohs fans, they were over there on force with the, the game against the Warriors. And, you know, I, at least twice in the elevator between the fourth floor and the lobby of the Crown <laughs> Metropole, a Rabbitohs fan said to me, you can take me now, I have seen it all. So it has stuck. Um, you know, I love it. The fact that the, the fans really enjoy it. The Rabbitohs fans have taken a lot out of it since round 19 of 2012. Um, a pretty special moment to be involved in, and I'm happy that they uh, they really enjoy it. And was it was great commentary. I know you're too modest to say that, but to nail a moment like that with lines that become famous, I know you're too modest to say you're proud of it, but, mate, you should be. It was fantastic work, and you must look back on that and think, well, I was right there on the night, and I nailed it. It's funny, though, because I've had to tell this story a number of times. When Adam Reynolds scores the try, in my mind... South have won the game. Like the stadium is erupting, and there was only a, plenty of fans had left the game. Like tons of Rabbitohs fans have told me they were there, but left after the Roosters led by twelve with you know two minutes literally remaining on the clock. So Reynolds goes over off the back of an incredible movement after they'd already scored a pretty incredible try itself to get to that point, and then suddenly it hit me in amongst all the pandemonium. Hey, he's still got to kick the goal, and it wasn't exactly right in front. It was about 15 to the left of the uprights, but, you know, Reynolds, he was always going to kick after scoring the try. He was always going to kick the goal. So, yeah, that part of it um, sits with me. And then sitting there after the game as well, both myself and Laurie Daly were just looking at each other going, can you believe what we saw? I mean, it was one of those moments, and we were both exhausted afterwards. It was crazy. Take me now. I have seen it all. I often get asked by people, do you rehearse lines? Do you practice lines? To which I say, no, I don't think that works. I might have ideas in my head that I want to relay during the call regarding milestones yeah. or players, but uh, that line clearly wasn't rehearsed. No. And when you look back on it, it just came out of you, I imagine, without you even thinking because you're immersed in the moment. Yeah. It was a great portrayal of what you're thinking. It doesn't get any better than this. No, I'm very much the same as far as, you know, rehearsing lines or ha like you'll have an idea if something happens, then you'll have, you know, something in mind perhaps, but you don't actually like rehearse. Like there's no way you could rehearse that finish and then say at some point in this game, I'm going to say, exactly. you can take me now. <laughs> I have seen it all. It's just, you know, it comes out. Sometimes you... Afterwards, you, you call tries and you hear replays back and you go, where did that come from? Where, whatever I said there, where did that come from? You're just literally just reacting to the moment, aren't you? Indeed, and uh, that's what makes it so good because you never know what's going to happen. Therefore, you never quite know what you're going to say. So when you say something and get it right, 
It's a good moment. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes it can go the other way too. <laughs> it does. Go, We've done that. Jeez, I wish I had... So- <laughs> that word had come to me just then, but anyway. Yeah. It's the game we play. Another question we always get asked as commentators is, who do you support? Well, I'm proud to put my hand up and say at the moment, nobody. You know, I suppose you, you do have clubs you lean to because you make bonds there or you feel like you've been given good treatment by them. But as a West's Magpies fan in years past, mm-hmm. I didn't come at the joint venture, so I've been left clubless. And I'm quite happy to have that the case as you travel the uh, breadth and length of the competition calling different teams. It's nice not to be bound by any sort of um, support that you've had in the past. We have a bit of a link there, as it turns out, because I played in the uh, West Juniors for a now def- another defunct club. Not the West Magpies are defunct per se, but um, I played for the Granville Diggers there you in go. the West Juniors against the Barella Bears and a whole bunch of other teams. So you'd be um, a veteran of Lidcombe Oval and the bike track and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, and Concord Oval playing there against the Enfield Feds and <laughs> you know, a bunch I played you know, all around that area. So you know, the Magpies are sort of near and dear to me, I guess, and I was a Balmain fan as a kid as well because my mum's side of the family were from that area. So... You know, if I if I have a team, it's the West Tigers. I'll make you know I won't try and hide that fact, but you know it's far from living and dying with their results um, as it was when you were a kid. We can celebrate by watching the Intra Super Premiership with Jimmy Smith uh, week in week out, where West's Magpies played that's, on the weekend. There you go, Jimmy, uh, an old magpie, he was an old rooster, he was an old rabbit <laughs> yeah, as well. That's true, played a few clubs, so um, no, good to see uh, Jimmy in action and uh, holding that magpie crest near to his heart. Well, we'll talk about lots of things during this uh, podcast, Was from Where do you want to start? Player pronunciations to grounds pronunciations. to teams to all sorts of questions we'll know about get on Twitter from different fans. Where would you like to start? The round that was or elements thereof? Um, let's start. Let's, let's get this one out of the way immediately. Of course, the season began with the Dragons versus the Broncos on Thursday night at Cogra. And the week and a half leading up to the game was dominated a story like I've rarely seen before dominate the news cycle was Matthew Lodge, his inclusion for the Brisbane Broncos, and whether or not he should be able to play in the NRL, given what happened in New York, of course, and given the fact that he owes $1.6 million as far as the courts are concerned to the people he um, accosted on that night in New York City. Um, you know, And seeing how the Broncos handled it was just appalling, to Paul. be honest, literally. I mean, the thing they didn't do was take the air out of the story. So while ever there's something, there's still air to stoke the fire um, for the flame to burn on that story, it's going to survive. So what they had to do was come out way before this point and say to Matthew Lodge, mate, this issue won't go away. This will remain an issue until you talk about it. Well said was, I felt sorry for all involved. I felt sorry, believe it or not, for the player himself, for the game, for the Brisbane Broncos as a club, especially for the people who were wronged in New York. And if I'm in charge of the game, I'm sitting down with the victims and Matt Lodge and his manager and representatives from the Brisbane Broncos and saying, okay, let's work out a situation where we can leave this room everybody happy, that you feel he is genuinely remorseful, that you feel there's a payment plan, that you're okay with him earning a living in the game of rugby league, a public figure in the sporting landscape of Australia. And they seem like reasonable people, but I don't know whether that's been done yet. And once that had been done, I think we could have all moved on, fronted the media, told them the situation, let's go. Yeah, I have no doubt that Wayne Bennett and the Broncos were trying to do the right thing by Matt Lodge by saying, you know, the last thing he needs is a young bloke who's done all these things behind the scenes, which we only found out about at the death or maybe even after the fact of him playing in round one on Thursday night for the Broncos, 
you know, they were probably trying to shield him from having to, you know, re-litigate all that stuff in his own mind. And I think, you know, that was obviously the wrong thing to do. It was going to be a story. He was going to get hounded and hounded by journos and camera crews everywhere he went until he spoke about it. So it's happened now. He's played the game. Hopefully, everybody's learned a, you know, a lesson from this. It was exactly the same story as the Rabbitohs a couple of years ago when they won the comp. They went to Arizona for the high-altitude camp um, in you know, late 2014, as it was. And obviously, what happened with um, John Sutton and Luke Burgess there, and they tried to tell everybody that John Sutton isn't the captain anymore because we're just making a bit of a change. Well, obviously, people were going to dig around that and the story just grew and grew and grew because they didn't come out and say, hey, we're going to put our hand up, this is what's happened, these are the reasons, and move on. And everybody would have moved on, but they let it fester, and the digging kept going, and eventually we found out exactly why he wasn't captain, because he was locked up in a jail cell for a night in Arizona. So hopefully clubs have learnt their lesson. If there is a story to be told, and anybody has any inkling of the story, put your hand up and explain to everybody this is what happened. The game's been around for more than 100 years. You would have thought we would have learnt those lessons in years past. Let's hope we have for years future. Okay. Now, as far as the on-field action was concerned from round one, what got you excited? What got me excited was actually a couple of back-page headlines. I started my media journey in newspapers, and the back page of the um, uh, was it the Newcastle Herald after Mitchell Pearce had you know, delivered magnificently, kickstart my heart. So I was singing, <laughs> is it Motley Crew? I was humming that all day on Saturday. And then the back page of the Courier Mail after Jonathan Thurston had delivered uh, for North Queensland, not at his best, but he still delivered, was um, Milestone Cowboy, like a Milestone Cowboy. I like those two headlines after two good performances from stars of the game. Yep, yeah, um, Mitchell Pearce, that moment was quite... Remarkable, wasn't it? And it sort of, you know, the script wrote itself as it went in the golden point. It was either going to be he or Daly Cherry Evans yet again, who had done so many times in the past for the, the Seagulls recently, um, kicking field goals to win games. But for Mitchell Pierce to do that in game one after all the drama of the departure from the Roosters, that was pretty incredible. Of course, the night before, um, on Thursday night, speaking of the Broncos as we were, Ben Hunt against his old team. Up against them, takes an intercept from, guess who? <laughs> Matt Lodge, and runs 60 metres to score for the Dragons. In what was a very good performance, I thought, by the Dragons. The Broncos were a bit scratchy, and they'll get better, but Ben Hunt would have loved that moment. And when Mitch Pearce did the, something similar the next night, albeit not against his old club, it was like, oh, there's something going on here in round one. The stars are aligning for all these players who have moved clubs. Yeah, and you know what? I would say to fans who are either very excited or a little bit down in the dumps after round one, go easy. Because remember the Dragons put 40 on Penrith round one last year, actually led the competition after six or seven weeks, didn't make the finals. It's a long, long journey. Round one doesn't make or break anything. Yeah, and the Roosters will certainly be hoping that after <laughs> being pretty average, it's got to be said, against the, the West Tigers out there at ANZ Stadium on the first of the, the three games on Super Saturday. Um Saw the vast majority of that game while we were getting ready for our, our game um, later that night in Perth. And now the Tigers, um, as this old cliche goes, full credit, hats off, hearts as big as Farlap because their defence has been just awful. Yeah, it's been the worst offensive team over a period now of seven or eight seasons. Their numbers are just terrible. But to do what they did, they won the game on the back of their defence and it had to happen at some stage for the Tigers as a whole, not just the playing group and the coach, but the club 
had to have just a rethink about the way they were approaching things and think we just have to our first stop on the the bus on the magical bus <laughs> ride that is Ivan Clear in the Tigers. The first stop we're going to come to has to be defence, and they've made an improvement quite obviously there straight away. And who who would have thought? Defence wins games. Was every game in round one, wasn't it a magnificent round one? Every game provided a fantastic storyline. No David Norfoluma, controversially for West Tigers in the eyes of many fans, yet Corey Thompson comes up with the try to set up this Tui Lolo here conversion, himself heavily criticised, and he delivers. There's two great storylines in just one of the games. Yeah, I mean, Tui Lolo here is a Tremendous athlete, I think he, you know, would probably be the long-term fullback now that Tedesco has gone. Quite obviously, yeah, Corey Thompson taking David Norfolk's place. Wow, mm. that was a bolt from the blue. Nobody would have seen that coming, but there you go, another um, fairy tale story in round one of the uh, the NRL season. Norfolk provided in the Intra Super Premiership, but Ivan Cleary doesn't care for reputations. It's what you're doing at training, and as a result. Corey Thompson gets his chance and takes his chance. And that is one of the results that gave us that remarkable statistic. I read it from David Middleton. The first time ever, the bottom four teams in season past have all won round one of the current season. Yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a remarkable stat. And speaking of other stories, of course, fairy tales, Benji Marshall. Benji coming back to the Tigers and then just steering them around the park, even though he had a bit of a calf muscle issue in the lead up to that game and he was in doubt himself earlier in the week, but gets the call-up, of course, with Josh Reynolds out of action. Um, for Benji, just to, so coolly, so calmly. And I've got to say, you know, the Broncos again come to mind, but he spent that season with the Broncos last year. And maybe something at that time with Wayne Bennett for his faults as far as a PR um, campaigner is concerned with Matt Lodge and the way they approach that whole situation. But obviously, he still knows a lot about coaching and man management. And, you know... Benji was so cool and calm and just controlled that 10-minute Sinbin period uh, when Luke Brooks was off the field so well. You couldn't help but think, you know, like he's such an experienced player now and that season up there and just hanging around Wayne Bennett talking about footy, just the way they approach things and, you know, being in the box at times as opposed to being on the field. You know, you, you can't help but soak that sort of stuff up. It just looked like he's such an experienced hand he played on Saturday. Yeah, a betting company put out a competition, you had to pick your certain winner for the round to stay alive in the competition. My certain winner in a heartbeat <laughs> Roosters. was the Roosters. I was even more confident when Josh Reynolds came up with that hamstring injury, but Benji Marshall, he wound back the clock. And, you know, when you look at him in 2005 and compare that with Benji Marshall 2018, it's like they're different people. Mm. But in my mind, it's so fitting that he's back where it all started. And I really hope that round one becomes part of a fantastic season for him. Let's hope so for both he and the Tigers because it'd be nice to see them move off the top or bottom of the uh, the table rather and move somewhere towards the uh, the top eight. Um, as far as Perth was concerned, now I was there. Um, you were watching on. What did you make of what we saw between the Rabbitohs and the Warriors? But then as we moved into night time, I guess midway through the opening half of the Bulldogs and the Storm, you know, the full effects of that brand new stadium um, came to light quite literally. It was amazing. I had no clue that the stadium lights could do what they can do as far as part of the entertainment package. That was stunning. I heard you in commentary saying how amazing this venue is. It looked amazing. Fox League did a great job. There were cameras outside, inside, on the roof. How many cameras did we have there? But we it looked, it looked magnificent. And it was just one of the surprises, the pleasant surprises from the day. I knew the ground would be impressive. I didn't think it would be that impressive. Mm. And I didn't think the Warriors would be nearly that impressive as well. We'll talk about... Uh, the best off-season signings. Could Mark Corvo 
be the best signing for the Warriors in terms of their fitness because they look like a different team. Yeah, it's funny. I was on the on the field on the sideline during the first half of that game, just taking a look at the stadium from different angles and seeing how it and the playing surface. I've got to tell you, the playing surface was <laughs> it was hard. It was. Firm. I have never seen a football field as firm. Maybe North Sydney Oval back in the old days, but it was fast. If you were batting out there on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, you'd have made some boundaries because it, the ball would have run across that outfield pretty quickly. It was a fast, firm track. But And it was hot, right? Yeah, it was warm. It wasn't too bad. It was warm, but it wasn't too bad. But I looked up at and the Warriors bench was just beside where Andy Raymond and Mark Gasney were sitting, and I was joining them just on the sideline. And Mark Corvo was in front of the bench, and I sort of almost skipped my mind that Mark had joined, having been a long-time um, trainer for Craig Bellamy in Melbourne mm. and being at the Broncos also. And I thought, you know what? He is a very good man to have on deck. And I think the evidence was there already on Saturday, given what we saw from the Warriors and how there was no Warriors fade. I no. mean, we talk about Canberra and their fades over the years and what happened again last night um, against the Gold Coast, but there was no back end of the game Warriors fade. They looked stronger, if anything, than the Rabbitohs in that last 20 in particular. And, you know, it can't be a coincidence that Mark Corbo was over there and suddenly they look like a different team. Absolutely not. I've seen a lot of the Warriors in recent years and you can really see them fading as the game has gone along and Daryl Halligan and I have said, I don't know whether they're fit enough. And, and this had all the ingredients this game of another Warriors fade. It was hard. It was hot. They travelled a long, long way. Yet there they were lifting as the game went on, getting better and seemingly being more confident. It was un-Warriors-like compared to what we've seen in recent years. Well done, Mark Corvo. Yep. And uh, while we're talking about those fades, well, we unfortunately for the Canberra Raiders, uh, they just keep on keeping on as far as late-game fades are concerned. That was right out of the playbook from 2017 or even 2016. I mean, they've made a, an art form, haven't they, of this late-game fade, and the Titans ran them down. Eight times last season, they were beaten by six or less. So it was a real problem for them, losing close games. They did it again, having led 18-0, so it's the Titans' equal biggest comeback. They came back from 18 down against Canterbury, final round of 2014. They did it last night under Garth Brennan, who started his uh, NRL reign by joking that he thought he was back in the under-20s, given the amount of points that were scored and the swing in the match. It was quite stunning. But I go back to a key moment in the first half. Papali makes a break. Canberra up 18-0. Jared Croker is there, and it breaks down. Jared almost overruns Papali, and the pass was a little bit off. They put it down. It could have been 24-0. And from the possession that the Titans then got, they scored through Kevin Proctor. Back to 18-6, and from there on, the comeback had started. Yeah, well, if you take out the first 12 minutes of the game, because Canberra led 18-0 after 12 minutes, three tries in the opening 10 and a half minutes or so. Mm. By the time they kicked the goal, it's 12 gone on the clock. It's 18 points to nil. The Titans won the rest of the game 30-10. to 10. And what about this was? Second half, they completed 19 of 20 sets. First half, they were barely above 50% completion. So I joked with Garth Brennan, gee, your half-time speech must have been good coach. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Brennan, I mean, what was... You talk about under-20s, I mean, I'm sitting at home and we see shots of him and it's 18-0, 12 gone on the clock and the defence, I mean, there was a couple of horrendous you know, decisions in defence by Ryan James outside Nathan Peace left a gap. And then Leilani Latu come, races out of the line. They score easily on the left-hand Bryce side. Can't oh, right, missed one badly. Wow, here we go, here we go. Boy, this could be anything. Mm. But um, they stuck solid and turned things around. Um, there was yeah. no Jared Hayne there. And they seem to be 
I don't know, maybe a happier camp or certainly a better camp. So, well, they've anyway. got some really good forwards. Was Jai Arrow was fantastic. You know, Ryan James might have struggled in the first few moments, but the captaincy, the sole captaincy now, seems to rest well on his shoulders. You know, Kevin Proctor was big. I like Leilani Latu. Uh, Bryce Cartwright had had a mixed game. There were a couple of crazy passes that must have had the coach shaking his head, but and and a few defensive lapses. But he'll get better. They've got a forward pack that uh, has potential. It's now about living up to that, and they certainly took a step in the right direction last night. And just uh, to wrap things up, I was did the Bulldogs Storm game. The Bulldogs looked vastly improved despite being beaten by the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the defending premiers um, picked up from where they left off pretty much at the end of 2017. There was no surprise there. Brody Croft looked right at home. He wasn't a star on the night. I guess Josh Adokar was the star with the two uh, spectacular tries he scored. And he's he and Vunavalu already on the on the uh, the tally as far as their try scoring is concerned in 2018. They'll score plenty again this year. The game we haven't touched on, Penrith and Parramatta. And again, down very quickly. Um, the Panthers looked to be in a spot of bother. And with all the drama, all the talk about the coaching scenario, about an unhappy camp, Matt Moylan leaving, Bryce Cartwright leaving, you go... Boy, this is only uh, stoking the flames of this story, but they came back and pretty much shut that story down cold, didn't they? Yeah, that was a huge performance. The first leg of Comeback Sunday, as it turned out, because both games gave us great comebacks. And that game gave us a, a great image. You know, a sunny uh, Sydney Sunday and a big crowd. And, and that was sort of the theme through round one, wasn't it? Good crowds. Mm. Uh, it came through the television. You know, Todd Greenberg would be sitting back on Monday morning thinking, wow, we, we're out of the blocks really well. Good footy, good storylines, great crowds, and uh, something to really build on. Can't wait for round two. And aren't they in an important game this weekend? Canterbury against the Roosters, Friday night, you know, two clubs head-to-head with, you know, Good history, but I don't want to leave Perth too quickly. I just want to ask you really quickly about what you learnt about expansion to the West. We're both on the same page. We need to go there. There needs to be a team out of the West. Uh, but how do we do it and when do we do it, Was I think we do it, from my point of view, at the beginning of the next TV rights deal. So the next these current rights go through now until the end of the 2022 season. So 2023 would be the first time you could, I think, probably bring in a new team because any new team will be matched by another team. So if we have a team in Perth, there'll probably be a second team in Brisbane or southeast Queensland. You would say Brisbane. I think they're right for another team there playing mm. in Suncorp Stadium. So we'd have a game every week, whether it's the Broncos or the Bombers or whatever you want to call them in Brisbane. Um, you know, whether the... And we, of course, work for Fox League and Fox Sports, whether the TV broadcasters see the value in having nine games a week as opposed to eight games a week. I guess it's the um, the old theory of diminishing returns. Mm. You know, the, the the more games you have doesn't exactly equate to the same amount of money. Although, rata wise, I will say five years is a long time. Was and clubs have been told no more bailing out. So that's true. It might not be an eighteen team competition in twenty twenty three. Whenever it is, you know, it might still be sixteen. Yeah, I bumped into um, the WA Rugby League um, CEO John Saxon, who's been there a long time. Both Great you fella. and you and he know uh, we know him um, pretty well, and. Um, you know, he's, he's hopeful. He's got his fingers crossed. He's been there a long time. He thought he might have been a chance of getting a team before now. Um, you know, I think there will be expansion at some stage, and I think it's a no-brainer for Perth. Mm. The two-hour time difference just works beautifully from the East Coast. Saturday night, they could play the third game. They could play a regular game on a Sunday afternoon. That's a Sunday night time slot in Sydney. It works in a number of ways. I, you know, if there is going to be expansion, I'm, and I'm tipping there it will be because I think the mm. league will want to try and add some value for the broadcasters next time around. 
uh, yeah, Perth are in for me. Yeah, the the appetite for it is huge. That the, they get three thousand at Warriors training for goodness sakes. You know, the crowds are, have been good despite abhorrent weather in recent years. The money is there. The Western Reds weren't failing. They were a victim of, of Super League and getting back to one competition. So all the indicators are that we've got to be there. I'm just sad we've got to wait potentially five more years. On that note, we'll see you next week. We'll wait one week for the next podcast, Was um, You can't take me now, but for today, we have seen it all. <laughs> Indeed.